If you'd do me a favor, Barry put a, put a verse up there. 1 Timothy, study to show thyself approved to God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're going to study God's word this morning. Is that a good thing? Yes. <laughs> it is a good thing. Amen. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 18. You know, we come to uh, our faith in Jesus Christ like babes. You know, uh, we sort of have that Christian glow around us, you know, where Jesus is new and vibrant and we come to a a faith in him and and we understand his grace and we embrace that newfound faith and our relationship with a Savior. And, you know, God gives us sort of a, a spiritual bath. We don't smell like we used to smell. He cleans us up. We, we have, uh, you know, we look better, smell better. We start dressing better. And we start taking baby steps of faith and we step out in service to him. You know, but it doesn't take long that we forget to abide in him. And we forget to look upon the Savior, Savior that saved us. And we start looking at others. And, and we're, we're doing all the things that we used to do. And, and in fact, we're probably doing more and more. And we start to look at others. Well, why aren't they on here on Wednesday? And I sure could use some help. And, and that joy, that glow that we used to have sort of fades. And it doesn't take long that we start to resent and despise some of those people that we used to greet. And we see a newcomer and we think, oh, you know, don't want to get too close to that. They're going to get me dirty. You know, uh, let God clean them up a little ways. And, and, and we, we, we soon doing the same things we used to do. And we start to despise the same people that stand where we used to stand. That's religion. That's Phariseeism. I'm going to have some fun this morning. We're no longer church. This is a dog food convention. And this is a true story. And Barry's going to help me out here. And I want you to participate with me. I didn't even know there was dog food convention. But you ever heard of uh, kennel ration? Dog food? No one's... (laughs) <laughs> okay, when, when I shout to you, you say, kennel ration, because you're, the, the, the hall was filled with executives, sales reps, marketing, and it was the general manager's job to motivate the crowd. And he was there, and he was gung-ho, and he was trying to get, get them all motivated. Oh, I'm going to try to motivate you this morning. Yeah. So when I shout to you, you shout, kennel ration. Who makes the best dog food in all the country? I'm a, I'm a bad motivator. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't sell dog food. <laughs> Let's try again. Okay. Who has the best... Mar- Thank you, Barry. That's motivating me. <laughs> Who has the best marketing in all the country? Get away, get away. 
Oh, that's better. Dog food is going to be blown out of this place. Who has the best packaging and marketing? Then why don't we sell the most dog food in all the country? <laughs> well, in this hall, this is a true story. It's kind of funny. There was silence in the crowd except for Gary. <laughs> but there was one man in the back, sort of like over here. His name was Dean. Not to be confused with our Dean. But he had a Castleford accent. <laughs> he raised his hand and he stood up and he says, Fact is, sir, the dogs don't like it. <laughs> and the truth is, and I hate to say it from the bottom of my heart, that's how the Church of Jesus Christ has become to the world a bad taste. And why is that? You know, we have it. To be honest with you, we have the goods. We have God's own son, forgiveness of sin, yes. peace that passes all understanding. Jesus, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Eternal life by grace through faith. I mean, we have it. Then why is so many people turned off to Christianity today? It certainly isn't because of Jesus. Would you agree? And it's not because of God's word. It's living and powerful, sharper than, than any two-edged sword. It pierces the hearts and spirits, you know. It... Uh, is a discerner of the hearts and thoughts and contents of men. The truth is it's because of Christians. And this is it in a nutshell. People have turned the church of Jesus Christ into a religion. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and I see this is a most loving church and and this sermon really talked to me because how easy religion creeps into our own life. And we love one another, and I see the love that you show for one another. But so easy it creeps in even to a loving church that we forget to love the lost. Did you turn to Luke chapter 18? We're going to start with verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in himself that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. What a prayer, huh? Yeah. extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing far off would not even as much raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, I used to read that. And I can't tell you, I thought he was beating up on the Pharisees again. You know, Jesus did that so often, you know, he would zero in on the Pharisees in the crowd. But it doesn't say that. He says that he told this parable to those that thought they were righteous in themselves. And they despised others. See, that's the, that's the thing that follows. When we think, I've arrived. I got this. I'm doing pretty good. Look at all the things I'm doing. I'm a pretty good guy. You know? Look at me now. Is there a glow around me? <laughs> See, that's religion. Were they truly righteous? No. I think Jesus was pointing that out to them. Barry, could you bring up the, first, uh, the second slide? Romans 3. I'll read it. There is none righteous, no, not one. Turn with me to Romans 3. Starting at verse 21. But now the righteousness of, a, of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by grace, by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearing, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. I'm not a righteous man. God's cleaning me up. I'm a more godly man than I used to be. And I thank you. You have been praying for me. And I've been praying for you. And we're growing in our faith. But in myself, I'm not a righteous man. I've got a long ways to go. When God looks at you and me, he doesn't see us in the, in the way we are, in our sins. He sees us in the righteousness of his son. We are justified. That means to be declared righteous. But that doesn't make us righteous. And when we start thinking that we're righteous, it's because we're looking at other people and comparing ourselves to other people instead of the model, which is Jesus Christ. That is so important for us to get. 
because it's so easy to get our eyes off the Lord and begin to look at other people and think, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm better than most. And what we do is we start following rules. Well, I don't want to do this and I don't do this and, uh, you know, my language has changed. I don't cuss like I used to and, oh, look at him. He's going to jackpot. <laughs> you know? And, and we do that, don't we? We get our eyes off the Lord and what He is doing in our life. And we start focusing on other people. Philippians 3. Barry? And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. See, it's His righteousness that He imputes upon us. See, Paul had it. But see, Paul had to go through a lot of trials to get that. He had to be humbled. I don't want to be humbled by God. I don't want to be struck blind and set aside for a while. I want to get it from the get-go. And if you want to be free from religion, you have to dispense of the sense that you are righteous. We would be less critical of others if we could see ourselves in the light of who God is. Amen? I broke this down into five things that Jesus covers in this, in this parable. Number one, I refuse to bind others by man-made rules. And that's so easy to do. Because I don't know about you, but there's enough written in this book that it take me this lifetime to follow it and to obey God. I don't need to add things to God's word. I want to tell you a story. Just over on the other side of the building, when we were building this side of the church, it was a glorious time. We would hold our services over there. And for us to take this worship team and play in that little area, it's like we were powerful. And we were always worried, are we going to offend people? But it was a glorious time because people grew and we would pack that little area and just a few feet away would be the kids in these little tiny rooms and we could hear them playing and busting stuff and, and we would just go on. <laughs> you know? There would be little mice running through you know, our, our, uh, our, our stage and it was just crazy fun time of growth and, and we had porta-potties outside and... Uh, <laughs> God is, God is graceful. God is good. But I remember seeing somebody that we knew. They were friends of the community. They were uh, retailers. They were uh, someone that we knew very well. And I seen them about four rows into the, into, and I thought, oh my goodness, our music's going to really send them running for the door. But they worshiped. And uh, he, I remember even, he, they, they even lifted their hands and they got into the worship. And then the worship got done and we, we sat down and Brent got up to teach. He turned to his family, whispered in her ear. They all got up and walked out the door. And I thought, what? He hadn't even spoken yet. And it wasn't for about four or five weeks later. I ran into him in one of the... Um, I think it was right over here. It uh, uh, used to be called... Uh, 
country living or hometown cooking. And I said, oh, I've seen you in our service, and, and uh, it was really good to have you. He goes, yeah. He goes, does your pastor still wear sandals? And my heart just sank because he didn't hear God's word, a message prepared for him because the pastor was wearing sandals that particular Sunday morning. It was a hot summer day. He wasn't dressed as a pastor should. That's religion. That's adding to God's word. That's adding stuff that's not written in the word. And how often we do that. We think, oh, he's not wearing a suit. Where's the black, where's the black shoes? Where's the tie? Does the new pastor wear, wear a tie? That's religion. And we often add things to, to what we think and we perceive a Christian should act and look like. I want to sort of uh, go over why Jesus... I always read this story and I, and I thought, well, Jesus was talking to a Pharisee, of course. No, he wasn't. But he was using two examples that they would understand. See, a Pharisee, we sort of get the idea because Jesus was cutting them down so much that these were dummies. And these were mean guys, bad guys, and they were out to get Jesus and they were out to get those that didn't abide by their rules. But the truth is, a Pharisee set out to do a good thing for God. In fact, the name Pharisee means separated ones. They separated themselves for, for God. They not only studied the Bible, but they memorized the first five books of the Bible. I mean, they studied and studied. And In fact, Jesus said, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they that testify of me. They just didn't study. They really went through it and took it apart. And Jesus was commending them. You study the word, okay? You're doing a good work, but you're missing the one in whom it's written. And we can do the same thing. We can do this and this, and we can even study our Bible and miss our Savior. In fact, a Pharisee, not only followed the written law, they had what they was called the oral law. They weren't happy with what was written. They'd say, now what did God mean by that? For an example, you take the Sabbath. Well, God says, don't work on the Sabbath. They would say, well, what does God mean by not work? So they would have this long list of rules considered work. Well, you can't do this and you can't do this and, and uh, you, you can't harvest and you can't leave your home and you can't, you know... And they had all these rules. In fact, they still abide by these rules if you go to Israel today. They have what they call a sabbatical elevator. And if you go on an elevator on a Sunday morning, they're not to push the button. They have elevators that will take you. and It will stop at each floor because to touch the button would be work. See, that's religion, and that's where Jesus wasn't condemning them following the law. Jesus rejected their oral rendering of the law. 
says, you know, you're putting a yoke on them that you yourself don't abide. Now, where do you look for a Pharisee? You, you don't look for him in church. You don't look for him in, uh, in the scripture. You certainly don't look for one in Calvary Chapel Buell. You look for a Pharisee in the mirror. Because that's where one peeks out. That's where one starts. We look for a Pharisee in ourself. Where am I starting to follow rules and put other people under our rules? Why are we scrutinizing people? Now, a tax collector, on the other hand, was, a Jew, was usually a Jew hired by the Roman government. And what he was hired to do, he would have in, inside information on his brother Jews, on how much they made, what their job was, and the Roman government would hire them to collect taxes. And just like our government today, the tax laws were always changing. Sound familiar? And uh, what they would do, the, 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 Jew, the Jews would never be able to keep track of what was, what was owed. So when a, when a tax collector would come to him, he would tell them what they had to pay. And what was required for the Roman government, what was on top of that was theirs. So they were stealing from their brothers. And they were despised. Just like this uh, Pharisee said, you know, uh, uh, slanderers, unjust, adulterers, and even this tax collector. They were not even considered human beings. They were despised. In fact, if one came into our church, if it was in those days, you would say, eek, and you'd get up and set someplace else. There was that much hatred for a tax collector. So what Jesus was using is two extreme examples. It is essential that I don't judge someone by non-biblical rules and traditions for my own growth. That I may grow in Jesus. I need to keep my eyes on the prize. And like I said, there's enough written in my book, I don't know about yours, that... It's going to take me a lifetime to grasp that. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. That word for other is heteros. What Jesus was saying, this is very different. And it's where we get the English word heterosexual. And wouldn't you agree that men and women are extremely different? That's the example that that Jesus was using. He was saying these are completely different. Verse 11 
the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Brings me to my second point. I'm going to reject externals. I refuse to judge others by what I see. And that's often what we do, don't we? We look at somebody the way they look, the way they dress, the color of their skin, and right away we have an opinion. We do. How about clothing? It's so easy to say, ah, well, Kathy's wearing a nice sweater today. That could have been sold for, uh, to give to the poor. (laughs) No, that's really beautiful, Kathy. You know, but we do. Or we could say, oh, He's wore that same shirt I I noticed three weeks in a row. I sure hope he's washing that. (laughs) You know, we do. We judge each other by what we see. Personal appearance. You know, we sort of look at, you know, oh, doesn't he brush his hair? Or worse yet, I hate it when we judge someone by how much hair they have. (laughs) You don't do that, do you? It's wrong. (laughs) And the dogs don't like it. (laughs) How much really can we tell by what we see on externals? By what we see? Nothing. Could you all give me the universal sign for nothing? (laughs) We can't. God looks at the heart. And this is one I really struggle with. And I have for a long time. How much can you tell by how, how much you see about how someone worships the Lord? Because see, I think I got this down. And I think you should worship the Lord the way I do. And you ain't quite got it yet. When the song says dance, dance! No, the truth is, God has made us all divine, distinct, and completely different human beings. I'm not wired like you. Some of us are more emotional and more open to express ourselves in worship. And what can I tell by watching how a person worships? And when, when we were on the other side, it was like, I used to have, we would start our service out and I would say, everybody stand. And that's just just the way, I don't have to say that anymore. Praise God. You guys just stand and you guys just were intimate from get-go. But I got somebody that came to me and says, why do you do that? You know, why do you make a stance? For some of us, you know, it's so embarrassing. And so I, I quit doing it. Then the following weekend, I got chewed out for that. How come you don't make a stand? That's so important. I think we need to stand during worship. And I thought, I can't win. <laughs> I'm a wash on this one. But the truth is, we're all divine. And, and just because I lift my hands and I worship and praise, and believe me, sometimes I, I, 
You can see my leg twitch, and I want to get off in a little dance. The Lord just moves through me, and, and, and it feels natural for me. And, and I love the Lord, and I express Him. But does that make me any more godly than someone else that sits quietly worshiping the Lord? Does that make me closer to God? No. In fact, I could be really into it and, you know, and I could be, my mind can wander, and I know it's happened to some of you, that we've wandered and thought, well, I wonder if El Casador's has got their uh, buffet, you know. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, I love their buffet. I just hope they got that open today. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm worshiping. <laughs> And somebody could be sitting quietly and pouring out their heart in adoration and love and devotion to God. And I don't know their heart. But I want everybody to worship like I do. And that's my, that's me looking at externals and other people. I need to let God move the way he moves and trust that he's moving on everyone's heart just as he is on mine. And I need to allow people that freedom to express themselves, to sit if they want to sit, stand if you want to stand. What's another external? You know, I have got to quit sizing. We have got to quit sizing people up by what we see. And it's so easy, we do. How much can we tell? And I want to ask you a question. Are you caught up on externals? Let me ask you a question this morning. What's more important? How much money you have? Or what you do with the money that God has given you? What's What's more upsetting to you? Come to church with your hair messed up? Your, your hair out of place? Or your heart out of place? We really got to look at our own heart. What's more important? To some of us, we wouldn't dare walk out the door without our hair just perfect. But more important is our heart in place. Which brings me to, our, to my third point. Let's read verse, verse 12. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. What's that all about? God never required the children of Israel to fast twice a week. If anything, he asked them once a year. He says, and I, and I tithe of everything that I possess. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. And I'm going to start at verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. Now, this was written by John, the Apostle John, in the island of Patmos. And this was a revelation given by Jesus about Jesus. And this is a letter written by Jesus to the church in Ephesus. Verse 2, he says, I know your works, your labor, 
your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. You know, he was saying, I see what you do. I'm commending you for the works that you do. I see everything. And your works are good. He goes, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. My third point, I review my walk with God. See, it's good that we do the things that we do. It's good that we do it. And and we have people that clean this church. And they probably do it for weeks and months and no one gives them a that a boy. And I I want to tell you, I appreciate what you do so much. It's so nice to come into a clean church. And, and I, I applaud you. You know, it's a thankless job. But Jesus says, I see your labor. I see your works. And don't think that what you do in the church goes unnoticed by the Lord. He sees everything we do. And we have teachers back here that pour out their hearts to our kids. And Jesus said, such is the kingdom of God. And that can be a thankless job of pouring to think, do do I even get through to these, these kids? Do they even hear? But God sees. And God penetrates. And God knows all that we do. But I want to ask you, see, his prayer was, I, 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 and I. I do this. I do this. Aren't I good? I, I follow. In fact, a Pharisee would say, I'm a committed one. I follow all the law. I do it all. Why do we do the things that we do? And I wrote this down that I need to personally review my walk with God. I need to review my relationship with Jesus. I thought worship was really good today. And it touched my heart and God moved through me. Is it good to to attend a worship service? Yes. I think we'd all agree it's good. But why do we come? And I sort of hit on it a little earlier. I hope we come to pour out our hearts to God and our love for Him and our adoration and devotion to Him. But that's not always so. We can so often lift our hands and say, Look at me. 
look at me and forget all about God. We could do our work in the church. We could do our service to the Lord, whether it's ushering, whether it's playing the congos or the drums or the guitar. And we forget to worship. And I need to personally review why do I do the things I do? Lord, check my heart. Test me, Lord. Am I doing it for you? Because if we don't do it for him, you will lose heart. You will. It will be a yoke you cannot handle. And I want the Lord's yoke always upon me because it fits. And it's not a grudgery. And it's a joy. And I want my joy to come from Him. How about the Word of God? I mean, we're starting a brand new year and many are going, have set off to go through the Bible 365 days. Got to get, get through it. Let's get through the Word. And it's a good thing. I'm not putting that down. I think we should set out to read words God. Read the Word of God. But don't forget the author. Don't forget to hear God's voice. Am I hearing God's voice when I read the Word of God? Because it's so easy to get behind and think, I'm going I'm to jam through this. You know, and, and say, man, look at me. I got through 10 chapters tonight. Yeah, caught up. And forget that the Savior was on every page. And forget to hear that still small voice of my Lord trying to speak to me. I set out to read my Bible in 365 days, three years. God's really been talking to me. But, you know, sometimes I can't get through one verse and God is just speaking to me. And sometimes I even got to stand up because I've never seen that before. And God has never said that to me before. And I'm just amazed. And I'll come back to my Bible the next night and God's still talking to me. And it's like, wow, that's so cool. And I would rather do that than jam through my Bible. But there is sometimes I'll go through three or four chapters of my Bible and it's like, you know, it's still feeding my soul. And sometimes I won't even get nothing out of it. And I get on my knees and pray, and Lord, well, you know, (laughs) you talk to me. It's so important that I review my walk with God. Because I can so often forget about who I'm doing it for and get discouraged. Number four, Personal examination and confession. Which brings me to verse 13. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. What he was doing was that was a sign of sorrow. He was saying, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. A lot of times we can get hung up on how much time and we can get hung up on guilt and feeling guilty because we're not ours praying before God. Give up the guilt. How about five minutes of sincere 
pouring out your heart to God on your knees by yourself alone, telling God how you feel every day in devotion to Him. See, this couldn't be a shorter prayer, could it? He says, be merciful to me, O God. I'm a sinner. You know, so often, I forget where I am in the Lord. See, the text said, be merciful. He says, it was as though he was saying, you're God, I'm not. Barry, turn up the next slide. Hebrews. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. See, that amazes me because I forget who I serve. And see, when, when Isaiah was faced with God, he said, woe is to me. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. See, before that, Isaiah was saying, woe to you. Woe to you. And woe to you. And when he was faced with the Lord, he said, woe is me. Woe is me. I'm undone. And if I want to be free from religion, I must regularly and honestly examine myself before God. I think it's so important that I keep my relationship fresh and new and keep a perspective of who God is. And don't make this a clown act and don't make it funny and keep it real. And... and you think if you poured out your, your heart in five minutes on your knees every day that he wouldn't change your heart? You think he wouldn't use somebody like that? You think he wouldn't want to talk to somebody if you haven't heard God's voice in a while? Try some sincere on your knees pouring out your heart to him. He wants to talk to you. Next slide, Barry. Examine yourself, whether you, you be in the faith. Prove yourself. Prove your own selves. Know that ye are not yourselves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be probates. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> Examine yourselves. You know how important it is that we examine ourselves, that we have a good perspective of who we are in Christ. And here I'm going to conclude with this. I must review my pursuit of personal humility. And this is what the text, this is what Jesus said. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. I don't want to be humbled before God. I would rather humble myself. And Jesus was given a warning to those in the crowd. He says, you who exalt yourself, you will be humbled. You know, I would rather have the other. I would rather humble myself now and be exalted 
What a promise that the Lord is going to exalt us in due time. James 4, Mary. All right. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. The next verse, Mary. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Man, I forget that so often, that he cares for you. And when I'm going through a trial, that's the first thing I, I forget about. That God has taken me through this trial for a purpose. And I forget my Lord cares for me. And the first thing that happens, I forget to cast all my cares upon Him and leave it there before my Savior. And I know some of you are going through trials right now. And we need to learn to do that because this too shall pass. But I know for my own life that every trial that I've gone through has been for my good. And that God has taken me to a new, new place in faith in Him. That He wants to use me in a mighty way and I have to go through these trials to get to where Jesus wants me to go. And if you're going through a trial, remember that. Humble yourself in the mighty hands of God. And cast your cares upon him. He cares for you. You know, I often thought humility. How can I be humble? And humility isn't saying, I'm dirt. You know, I, I'm no good, God. I'm, I'm this. That A lot of times can, that can be false humility. And you'll hear that often in the church. Oh, I'm no good. What they want to hear is, oh, no, you're great. You're great, man. Humility is putting the cares of others before you. It's putting yourself in that lowly place where Paul was and where Jesus was. Turn with me. And this will be the last, last one we turn to. To Philippians 2. Starting at verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in, G in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. That's a hard one to do. And Paul got to that place by the trials that Paul went through, 
by shipwreck, by being beaten, by being struck blind, by being scourged. And he got to that place where he couldn't go any further unless the Lord was always before him. And he got to that place where others' needs were more important than his own. In other words, when someone cuts you off in the road out there, you say, praise God. They're more important than me. They had to go where they needed to go. I'm in no hurry. (laughs) We don't do that, do we? (laughs) Oh, they could hear my mind. (laughs) I don't say it, though. (laughs) But that's where we need to get to go. And you can't do that unless Christ abides in you. Jesus said, abide in me and let my word abide in you because apart from me, you cannot do these things. Let's go on. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's humility. That my, Je- my Jesus laid down his life for me. And when I have a clear perspective of that, it's easy to do the little things that God has called me to do. I'm going to close up with this. Religion is encroaching into the sincere faith of every believer. It sneaks in on each and every one of us. Before we know it, we become religious. I remember when me and Joni, before we even got saved, we went to a little church here in Buell. I have, I have some friends here that we, they went to the same church. And it was a joy to me, I just remember it with great joy in my heart because it was such a growing and it was a sweet, sweet time. They were putting together a choir when we first went there and there was like four or five people up there in, in choir robes and they were stepping out in faith. Not a one could sing a note. <laughs> and the choir director, he couldn't hit a note if it, 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 it was his life. But it was joyful. It was just so sweet. And me and Joni would leave church and we would be going, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? And, you know, and we would sort of be partially mocking what we've seen and what we heard. But these songs stuck in our heads. And uh, I would find myself going to work on Monday and these songs would be, we'd be singing, Jesus paid it all. <laughs> you know, and I would just sing these songs and it was just a joyful time. But I remember leaving church, it was like 
not two or not three times, but four, four different times, Joni would turn to me and say, Fritz, promise me we're not going to get all religious. And I would say, I promise. And the following week, I'd turn to her and say, promise, we, promise me we're not going to get all religious. And she'd say, I promise. And the reason is, there were some, not most, but there were some that were wound tighter than a golf ball. Not in Jesus, but in religion. And they wouldn't approach us. We would have got them dirty. And, uh, you know, it wasn't six or seven months later where they finally came and shook our hands. There was rumors uh, spreading that they won't last. They're just here today and they'll be gone tomorrow. And I remember, you know, that's religion. I, I look back at that and I think that's religion. And that's what people run from, from the church. We should be a sweet aroma to the world. Yes. We're called to be a light. Yes. We're called to be salt, a flavoring in the world. Yes. And apart from Jesus, we can't. It's just a bunch of rules and regulations. And all the law was ever meant to do was draw us to our knees and cry out, God help me. And in that, the law was fulfilled. God has never cared about the outward display of our religion. The only value it has is when it reflects an inward change of you and I's heart. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at each one of us. And he looks at our heart. Let us pray. Lord, I confess. I have been more like a, a Pharisee than I, than I care to. To say, Lord. Lord, I wish I was more like this tax collector, Lord Jesus. Help me to be free from religion in my life. Help us to serve you more. Help us to keep our eyes off each other. Loving one another, Lord God. Serving one another and our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus. Give us once again the joy of our salvation, Lord, fresh and new today. that we may have a heart for people. Lord, that we would be a light for the lost, encouragers to those that serve with us. And Lord, that we would always be pleasing to you, Lord Jesus. Give us a heart like yours, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.